In roller derby, holding space is an empowering, often intimidating act of strength and strategy for oneself and or teammates. Holding Space, the podcast, clears the floor for conversations that touch upon race, class, identity, and privilege to amplify stories, build community, and make more connections in the skate world. Expect lots of smart, dope skate people musing about life on and off eight wheels and silliness. Can't forget the silliness that you never knew you needed and won't be able to live without. This is Holding Space with Magical Wheelism. Welcome. up y'all in the 2019 wftda postseason playoffs the wider roller derby universe witnessed the power and ability of argentinian roller derby buenos aires's dos por cuatro became the first south american team to qualify and compete at champs sailor city also from argentina's capital city won the continental cup east tournament it was also arguably the first time the derby community learned of the economic hardships faced by latin america American derby athletes whose monthly salaries and national currencies are a fraction of their U.S. and European counterparts. But what might have been lost at the time was that those Por Cuatro and Sailor City's successes were the tip of an iceberg, hinting at a whole glacier brimming with derby passion, activity, and accomplishment. Today's guest, Maki Antoinette, head non-skating official for Sailor, fills in some of that obscured context. Maki has has been involved in Argentinian roller derby for most of its existence. And in addition to her NSOing, she's also the South American chair for the Roller Derby World Cup. So sit back and enjoy. Thank you so much for talking to me. You are my first NSO. You are my first official interview. I feel so honored. Yes, you're my first Argentine interview. You are an and I'm telling you, like, you're, I feel like I'm talking to a, a roller derby celebrity. Tell me again, what is your... Why? No. Because aren't you, like, the first Latin American roller derby NSO to get a certain certification? Yes. You're a history maker. I, I'm, 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 like, so absurdly proud of that. It doesn't make any sense. Tell me what it is. Because, I didn't want to get it wrong. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, that certificate, you know, the certification for for non-skating officials and officials in derby, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, some time ago, some years ago, I've been doing derby for eight years now. And, you know, some years ago, having the cert was like this synonymous of status. It's not like that anymore, luckily, because also getting cert is a privilege because you have to pay for it shouldn't be a, a synonymous of, of being successful or whatever. It's just a neat thing to have, but doesn't make you any more or any less of an official to have it. But I feel like it's a huge, huge achievement because when I started to, to do this eight years ago, CERT was way more complicated than that, that what it is now. You know, CERT was like you had to, I, I might get it wrong, but I think that you had to go to an official WFTDA clinic you had to like travel to the clinic and take the clinic. You had to have a, a set amount of 
sanctioned uh, gameplay in a period of time. You know, I was in Argentina and I was 18, 19 years old in that moment and I had absolutely no money. So in that moment, I was like, well, okay, nobody's ever going to get hurt here. And it was super frustrating because we kind of grew up like watching and, and reading about people getting hurt. And it was like, well, it's never going to happen here because the the OGA clinics were mostly in the U.S. and we had to travel to the U.S. I mean, I'm talking about a time where no Argentinian team was even thinking about getting into postseason events. And I kind of grew up in Derby. My first years in Derby went went with this feeling like I'm never gonna get third. Then third got shut down for for some years uh, because they were like revamping the whole program and when it came back up it came back up in a much more easier way now you can get the courses online you don't have to travel to a clinic you can get any kind of any kind of gameplay is valid for third sanctioned and regulated and so they made it way easier because what clearly what the WFCDA was looking for was to get like at least in every content or in every country an officials with cert. They made it accessible. Yeah they made it way more accessible. I mean you have to pay $20 which is an it's a one-time fee but I mean that's the only like thing that maybe is stopping you because you can also get recognized if you don't have enough games. It's way more accessible because I really remember when when I started um, Derby like eight years ago, CERT was like that kind of super impossible thing. We had one ref who got the CERT, the old CERT, he, he's retired now, but he did the whole thing. He traveled to the U.S. to the clinics, he traveled to the U.S. to do sanctioned gameplay. And it was just like a huge privilege that we couldn't do. So now that it's back, uh, it just makes me super, super happy to see a lot of my friends that are uh, skating official, if officials also getting the, the certification. It's like pretty much I think I'm not going to risk Mexico, but South America, I'm the first one who get budget. Yeah. That is amazing. Congratulations on all your I'm hard so work. Happy. Yeah. No. And so I want to, I want to backtrack a little because <laughs> I also feel like you are a font of knowledge and um, can kind of give, you know, listeners a perspective about the growth of Derby in Argentina and its current state. I mean, Derby, going backtracking on the history of Derby in Argentina, Derby in Argentina uh, has 10, 11 years, mostly. So you've observed most of it, right? most of it yeah i mean and, and and i still don't feel like the one of the oldest ones in the sport because i know people who are still playing who are like who were in the first ever team in argentina that was of, that was of Porcuadro. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know it it just it the the first team gathers up they do this first league that i i'm pretty sure it ended end up being the Porcuadro. and they go into the first World Cup as Team Argentina with eight players. That's amazing. Uh, like suicide mission, like they just go to the World Cup. <laughs> um, and, then, and then there's that, like, what was it? I think it was, was it after Manchester that they played like a ridiculous amount of games in like a week? It was like a every day, like after playing the World Cup, 
those Pourquoi that went on the road and like that this is before the World Cup and after the World Cup. It was a, a two a, a month and a half tour. Amazing. Yes, yes, it was, and 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 figured out that that's the result of like eleven, ten years before uh, they just went into the World Cup with eight players, no T-shirts, no funding, no anything, just to try it. It was. Of course, the experience was not the best, but it just gave them the kickstart to start to get things going in Derby in Argentina. And Derby in Argentina grows exponentially. Like, I cannot emphasize enough how much Derby grows. Like, every month, you get a new team somewhere. It's either in Buenos Aires, it's either in the north, in the middle, in the center, or in the south. You just, like, stop keeping track of teams. It's like, there's a new team in Cordoba. Oh, wow, really? And when you start making, I don't think we have an official count of teams, but every time I check, there's like a new team coming together. So it's exponential. I am willing to risk that out of South America, we must be for sure the country that has the biggest uh, derby, derby universe, derby teams. And one of the most organized because I don't think that Chile, either Chile or Brazil, have as many teams as there are in in Argentina in this moment. Active teams. How many would you say there are? Just to give. Oh us, my to God! I don't know. Like I, I would risk on off the top of my head, I could tell you forty teams. Forty teams in Argentina. Yes, off the top of my head, like I can tell you just fifteen teams in Buenos Aires. What's the population and of Argentina? Have- we are 40 million. 40 million. 40 teams, 40 million. That's amazing. That is we, amazing. Are, we are 40 million, 20 something in Buenos Aires, and the other 20 in the other 23 provinces Argentina has. And I don't think we have one team per province, but I think there must be like only two or three provinces I don't have derby. All the other ones, at least one active team, they have it's huge here. And in some provinces, they have the backing from the government. In others, they don't. Um, oh, it really depends. Depending, depending on the government, maybe they get like an official backing. Maybe they don't. What does the government support? They can support with giving you a free space to train. They can actually, if you host the tournament, they can put like a decree out that the, the tournament is an important sports event for the province so they will actually give you money to fund it they can give you accommodation i mean i've stayed at tournaments where we stayed at dorms that were paid by the government of the province because the province thought that that event was important let me just pick my jaw up off the ground that sounds like the dream like how are we not in argentina being supported by Argentine government and flourishing. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, wow. it's beautiful, but it's very like depends on the province. Like in Buenos Aires, being the capital city, it's very, very weird to get public funding. But in the provinces, it's highly more probable that you can get a lot of funding, like free place to stay, a free place to train, to host your tournament. You can also, I've heard cases of actually getting money to pay the refs, to pay the, the tickets, to pay the teams. Yeah. Is that because there's less competition for the resources? Like I'm, I would imagine being the big city that Buenos Aires is, it's probably a lot harder, a lot more competitive. Is that what it is? Or is it just, yeah. Yeah. 
I would assume so. Okay, so my yeah, other it's, question. It's a matter of competition and a matter of uh, also, I mean, if the province is small, having a bunch of people traveling to your province to do that, sense. it's also a tourism opportunity. How well known is Derby in Argentina? In the general population, like how widespread is it followed? It's so weird because every Derby is like that niche thing that everyone thinks they know what it is, but they don't really have an idea. But we are getting to the point where a lot of people know someone who knows someone who does Derby. So we have to explain it less. It's not as widespread. I mean, events still are like really niche and really like... The people who go to a tournament are like boyfriends, girlfriends, partners, friends of the people who are playing. But it's growing. And I mean, with this whole, uh, both Dr. Cuadro going to champs and Sailor City winning the Continental Cup, they they get to to accede to like uh, media, you know, newspapers, radio programs, TV programs. So it starts getting a little bit bit more widespread, but it's still not a, a massively known sport here, which is ironic because then you tell them how organized we are and how many teams we are, and it just doesn't make sense. Right. Is it associated with a specific subculture or with like the punk roots, for instance? Yes. I mean, it's it's still widely... Um, it's widely uh, yeah regarded to people think derby and they think about the whippet mm-hmm. because of course of course and and it's also very very uh, related to the queer movement to an underground lifestyle that it's really hard to shake off because you know people especially derby players are still struggling to be recognized as real athletes because the tattoos the colored hair the different bodies, the different identities, and it's, it it gets hard here to be recognized some some sometimes as an as a real athlete doing derby because it's still here sometimes tightly rooted to this punk rock underground stuff. So whenever teams get an outlet, a media outlet, they just really make a point out of it's a sport. We go to the gym, we carry on a diet, we carry on a, a sporty lifestyle. But just because it's not football, it's not hockey, or it's not rugby, it's more complicated. Yeah. As you speak, I'm thinking of like the marriage equality movement and Argentina was at the forefront of that. Argentina, I think, was like the first country, right, that recognized same-sex yeah. marriage. So even before, way before the U.S. Yeah. So so it kind of, I don't know, it kind of makes sense. I, I, in my brain, it makes sense. Somehow I'm like that they would be at the forefront of embracing Derby too, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It kind of like, it logically stands to reason that those two. Yeah, it's logically, but sports is complicated in Argentina because, uh, I mean, it's still a football football mentality mm-hmm. overall. And if sports are not in that circle, that's like the biggest sports in Argentina are football, rugby, hockey. And I think I'm drawing the line there. <laughs> that's Maybe tennis. And that's it. So everything that comes out from that is, I mean, if we're not even going to the Olympics, I mean, whoever wants to go to the Olympics anyway, but it doesn't give you that credibility and that amount of like, oh, it it is a real sport. So, and the fact is that is like, it's so related here in Argentina with the equal rights movement and the queer movement and... I mean, Derby in Argentina has embraced gender diversity within our teams way before WFTDA even made the statement. I mean, it was just so obvious for us 
that when the WFTDA statement on gender expansive identities came out, we were like, well, yeah, I know, it's obvious. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I mean. It's like there's something in the sort of Argentine mentality. It's all like parallel in a sense. It's you guys, y'all are really forward thinking and really embracing of, of recognition on a lot of different fronts. So why do teams and leagues start up in the same cities and don't like merge or like why what is the you know how how can you explain how those por cuatro and sailor city both belong to the same city but are two autonomous separate leagues i'm i mean yeah they formed i mean it's funny because people who are in sailor city i mean were part of the the founding dos por cuatro but it's it it really happens here that teams merge, um, separate a lot and form their own teams. But we also see that that is, a, I mean, here it's seen as a positive team because it's like you just get more people to play mm-hmm. near you. Is it geographically and distinct? I know they, yes, I mean, it's basically the same. I mean, they train in the same space and they carry on talks because we are all sharing that holy underpass, overpass space. And we all use it. So everyone, the teams just come up and there's like an agenda going on and every team has a person who is speaking for them and all the teams organize like you're training 11 to 4 and training 4 to 8, you're training 8 to 12. And it's really organized, but teams never really get into merging. There are really small, not many cases of teams merging in Argentina. Everyone wants to get their own team. And so in Dos Por Cuatro and Sailor City, are there home teams? Like, what are the sizes of both leagues? Yeah, they have uh, both Sailor City and um, Dos Por Cuatro have the categories. You know, you have an all-star, which are the travel teams. The charters. You have a B category and a C category. And then inside both teams, there are home teams with thematical names. But we don't, we, they don't play much. I mean, it's been a time since I've, I've seen some home teams. The most common way here to play is by categories, which are A, a B, and C, because home teams are a mix of everyone in the team. So when you get to play with another team that only has one category, it's really like unfair when you go to the track. Gotcha. So they have like, yeah, both teams, have, and actually most of the teams usually have, if they have enough skaters, they have a B category and a C category. All-stars are more, more complicated to find. Maki, how did you learn about Derby? How did you start? What's your Derby origin story? How to tell me that? My Derby origin story, I was uh, 12 years old and I was watching MTV. There was this program in MTV called Made. Do you remember it? I think so, vaguely. Made, it was like, I want to be made into, and there was this girl who had this massive, like, uh, self-esteem problem at school and got bullied in the, in the States, and she calls into MTV, this reality, and she was like, I want to be made into a roller derby player. No way. That's, that's how, yes, oh, look it up, it's sick. wonderful. I mean, she gets, like, in 30 days to pass minimum skills and to play, it's bank track. She, she gets to play bank track. But she goes like, I get bullied at school and I get like, I have a lot of problems. I don't have friends and yada, yada, yada. I want to be made into a roller level player because they're powerful. They're wonderful. They're, they have strength. And that's how I get to know Derby. In that moment, I was really active on LiveJournal 
like fandoms in Life Journal, and I remember there were some some folks who who did derby, and then I kind of slept on it. And when I turned 18, well, we came along in the middle. And when I turned 18, uh, one day I go into Facebook, like Roller Derby Argentina, and I found this whole world of Argentina Roller Derby. And I was like, yeah, well, okay, why not? Let's just give it a try. I mean, bear in mind, I don't know how to swim. I don't know how to ride a bike. I didn't know how to skate. I've never done a sport in my life. Passing minimum skills to me took me like two years and a half. But, and this little team, my first team, it's called Wonderland, was forming like 10 minutes from my home. There were seven girls and I just joined them. I bought my first pair of skates and I started training to be a roller derby player which took me the wonderful amount of two years and a lot of non-past minimum skills. Happens. And that's how I got into the community. And I used to be a non-skating official while I was a, a rookie, a fresh meat. And I really liked it. I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a number nerd. I've always been. And I really liked it. And I really liked being able to like see the game from that side of the track. I thought it was super interesting and you can get to learn a lot of it, not by being in the track. And I was really struggling with my identity in Derby and why I'm, I'm just seeing girls coming into the, the, the team. I'm passing minimum skills and I'm not passing them and why and why and why and why. And I start being more a non-skating official. Then I pass my minimum skills. I play my first game. And I realized I really don't like playing Derby. It wasn't for you. Well, that part I finished of my, yes, I finished my first game and I was like, whoa, that was terrible. I, my body hurts. I'm sweating. I don't like this. I know. And I just dropped altogether. I never skated again. And I was, I've been a non-skating official ever since, which doesn't make any sense, but here I am. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'd never, um, I'd never heard it talked about that way, but I really love that about Derby that there's, there's a place for everyone. Um, you yeah. Know? And for every type of personality and every type of like sensibility and you can find your role, your place in the community. That's dope. Yeah, I'm a place where I feel like I always said like as a, as a derby skater, I'm a really good non-skating official because I, I really like what I do. I mean, contrary to a lot of people who sometimes get into officiating because they have this like really nasty injury and they have no other choice but to keep in that place and maybe they struggle with that I was like no I'm fine I just love this because I am not getting hit I am not getting screamed at I don't have to cross train because I hate cross training so I really like this and I kind of ended up being good at it and I also noticed it was really 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 necessary in Argentina because officials are scarce really scarce and it's really, really common in Argentina. I mean, I'm I'm head I'm head non skating official for pretty much most every tournament that big tournament that's done in Buenos Aires. I'm always head non skating official of it, and it's funny because I I arrive into this tournament like I'm the only official in this tournament that's not also playing the tournament, and that's necessary because you need someone that's that doesn't have to like, okay, I'm going to do this game, but I have to run off to warm up and do the game. Because at the end of the day, most of your head is always in what you're going to do with the game and what you're going to play with your teammates. And we really need people who are like full-time 
officials. Because officiating then turns and, into an afterthought. Yeah, and, 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 and like officiating is not your second second option. It, there are not many. I mean, I don't I don't know many. I don't know other non-skating officials that are also non that are only non-skating officials. They are mostly players and officials. I was gonna say that it shows uh, too because I think that you, from my sense of. Have you know following you on social media is that you seem to be a leader in officiating in Latin America? Yeah, and you know, I aren't you also behind the Oficiales Rodeo Derby Argentina? Yes, I'm part of that. It's like a fun team. It, it, it was it was a joke with friends, and it ended up being a serious thing. That's awesome. Tell me more about it. Orla Oficiales Rodeo Argentina. I was actually like. What what we did it was we were a group of friends, most of them also players that just really wanted to go to tournaments. So we start getting together and we start to notice that we are always the same officials in the tournament. So we're like, well, where are you staying? We can travel together. We can get together to travel. We take the same bus. We take the same plane. We stay at the same hostel. And when you want to, when we started to notice, we're starting like to actually host events just to fundraise for our trips so all of us can go to the tournament and all of us can come back. How many of you are there? Right now we are, uh, we must be 10, 12, Mm. 15 maybe. We're just a group of friends from Buenos Aires. There are some from the Forcuatro, some from Cedar City, from some from Buenos Aires, Jimmy Rustlers. Uh, so it's a bunch of teams. And we're a bunch of players who just, based on officials, who just got together and we're like, we like officiating and we like making things happen. And we're going to travel everywhere we can. And we're going to pay however we can. And we're going to fundraise for that. That's dope. And we just, host, we host like small mixers and scrimmages. Like, you know, you pay 10 pesos. 50 pesos your 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 sign up to the scrimmage and we just put all that money in a pool and then we use that pool to get cheap bus tickets cheap hostels to pay for food and so we can just all go together to events or just pay a part of your bus if you can pay a part of it and it's nice because it's not affiliated to any teams we're just a bunch of friends who are doing that as officials that's wonderful. Do you have like a public GoFundMe or or some way? No, we don't. We don't currently because also GoFundMe GoFundMe's are complicated because Argentina's economical situation is very complicated, and our laws are very difficult. So if we raise a GoFundMe, we I don't think I don't know how it is to take the money out. I think someone in the U.S. has to take it out and. Give it to some, give it to us, like in our hands, because Argentina does not allow us to do like money extraction from web pages like PayPal, whatever. It's more complicated than that. So we don't, we just fundraise like, hey, scrimmage, come here, help an official out. You touched upon the economic situation. Would you say that that is the the hardest hurdle, the biggest challenge for growing Derby or for? Practicing derby in Argentina? No, money. Money is everything. It's so sad. It's so sad because money it really is everything. And and Argentina's economic situation is a mess. Uh, our our past government, which was much, I wouldn't say it was a right wing government, but it was a center right. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, economics really went badly the last four years. We, I mean, I know I don't know if it's widespread, but we have currently a very big debt with the International Money Fund. Um, anyway, politics. Uh, I mean, Lord Levy is inherently political for me, and money is a big thing, and Argentina is so complicated because everything is so heavily regulated that really uh, even getting getting equipment is a nightmare. We, some years ago, more than four years ago, we used to have this totally uh, clandestine uh, system to get equipment from the U.S. because, I don't know, a pair of uh, Riddle R3s for a rookie were, I don't know, $100 in the U.S., you would say, mm-hmm. more or less. Well, in Argentina, in a store that sells skates, you could pay them up to $400. Oof. The most basic skate, we're not talking about Bond, we're not talking Mota, we're talking Riddles are Three, which, hey, they're a gem, but they were not like a first range of line, line of yeah. skates. No. Yeah, they were not top of the line. They were like the most, I mean, I during my derby career, my biggest dream when I was a derby player slash rookie was to get a uh, 187 killer pads uh, knee pads. I never could, could afford them. And it was like my biggest dream was to be able to one day travel to the States and get pro derby pads. And it was like, it's my biggest derby dream ever. And it's something super basic. So money is a thing. And now that we are aiming at the bigger picture uh, that composes traveling, traveling as a player, traveling as an official, money is everything. I mean, it's just so complicated with the dollar that's going up every single day. Um, Inflation is over 50% and you have to pick between paying your derby monthly fee or eating. And it, it just gets really complicated sometimes. And flights are so expensive. And imagine we had this like clandestine, super clandestine system in which to get cheap, uh, I mean, not cheap equipment, equipment paying what it was worth in the U.S. We had air hostesses who would like, you know, every time the American airline air hostesses, every time they travel to the U.S., you will give them the money and they will buy the skates for you and they will bring them back and you will pay for them for that system, mm. for that favor they would do to you. They get like a so everyone cut. was like, do you have the number of the air hostess that does the delivery of the skates? And in some during some years, it was the only way to get fancy skates. Now it's more common because now... You have teams that are traveling to the U.S. or to the cops or whatever, and maybe you can have a friend that brings them back. But some years ago, getting a top-of-the-line skate was like a lot of money and a lot of like logistics around the, the whole thing. So yeah, money is a big step over because living here is expensive. And wages are probably we have low. No, I mean, salaries do, haven't gone up in months years even because the government the past government one of the past uh, first things that did was to freeze all Mm -hmm. negotiation was frozen so i mean the dollar was going up i mean think that going into uh, numbers last 
year dollar was one peso was um forty dollars, give or take, thirty something. And right now it's eighty Sis. in one year. And my salary hasn't changed. Sis. You don't have to tell me your salary, but tell me someone's like a typical average salary here. Or in Argentina rather. In Argentina that's a sort of that's such a, I mean, everyone's going to tell you a different number. Once I got asked this, and I told them that... The, like, what does the a teacher earn? Let's, a, let's, let's say what a teacher earns. What? Like, a, like, what does a public school teacher earn? Oh, no, like, teachers are, like, in a misery. Teachers are, like, you have to have, like, five jobs to get a decent living wage, teachers, mm-hmm. especially teachers. I would say, like, the average salary has to be, in like, 30,000 pesos. A month? And I think I'm being generous. A month, uh, so you have to split that by eighty. I don't know how much. So that's three seventy-five. Right I, I brought my calculator. Out. That's three hundred and seventy-five dollars yeah, a month. Yeah, and <sighs> you have to pay like you have to live with that a month, a whole month, and the month is long sometimes. My goodness. And uh, and if in the middle the dollar goes up, uh, gas goes up. If gas goes up, the food goes up because the food gets to the supermarket by cars. Sure. It really happens here that, I mean, in example, I go to do grocery shopping every every Saturday morning and I never pay the same and I always pay, and I always buy the same thing. And right now, I mean, and, and talking about GoFundMe's, uh, we, very soon, Argentinian teams, Cero City and Nostro Cuatro mostly, are going to have live their fundraisers. Mm-hmm. And Argentina right now is in a very complicated situation because some of the measures the new government has taken to try to put the economy back up is a tax. And this, what this tax does is that everything that you purchase with your card that that's in United uh, like dollars or euros or pounds get applied at 30 a 20, 30, 30, 30% tax. <laughs> Every single thing that you buy. Plane tickets, 30% extra. Uh, hotel, Airbnb, 30% extra. Even if you have pesos and you want to go to an ex- exchange house. The, the way that the government puts it, it's like, it's called Ley Solidaria. Like, so, uh, and it's like, okay, we don't have money like in the national bank to pay the debt. So we're going to really put taxes on luxury stuff, like buying dollars, like traveling to the exterior, to the U S mm-hmm. like having holidays in Europe, which are a luxury. Mm-hmm. So we're going to apply a luxury tax to that. Mm-hmm. So we can make money from that, which is highly debatable. I mean, you can be for it or against it. I'm not going to go into that because I know that Derby in Argentina has really a separate opinions on if it's okay or not to do that. But the truth is that being like, now if you want to travel to playoffs, it's 30% more expensive. Yeah. Something that was already pretty unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like any sort of ideas about what us in the in the States or, you know, just outside of Argentina, any sort of just, ideas it's thrown just around? A matter of, yeah, it's just a matter of, like, when the GoFundMe's, GoFundMe's go live, like, if you can spare a dime, go for it. Because 
that's also that's money that the teams are not going to get until they get to the U.S. So everything that they pay before the trip is going to come out of their pockets. And it, it's madness. It's, it really gets madness. I mean, I really look at the teams who are doing two or three trials a year and I have no idea how they're doing it. I mean, I'm going on holidays to, to England in a month and I've been doing like working like crazy and saving like crazy and it's a huge sacrifice for me to go and I mean I live with my parents I don't pay uh, rent I don't pay university because it's free so there's a lot of like monthly things to spend that I don't have and it's a huge sacrifice for me to do this and I can't imagine what it is to like teams like Dos Por Cuatro or Ser City who are right now planning two or three trips a year and they're probably still paying last year trips I have no idea how they do it my goodness okay so that's good to know that their fundraisers will start soon the Sailor City fundraiser is already live I was going to do a thread on Twitter about that later but Sailor City's fundraiser is already live it's go I think it went live like yesterday and Dos Por Cuatro should come along soon Sweet. And I feel like if someone if someone out there knows of anyone traveling through Argentina should probably maybe get in touch because that could be a way to like pass on supplies or something too, right? I'm sure that that would be really helpful. Yes, I remember the first time that we got like uh, hashtag fancy equipment, (laughs) it was thanks to Derby Without Borders because... It was when Dos Por Cuatro went to the Big O and they made this box like if you have any equipment, yeah, a care package. Like if you have any spare equipment and you don't want anymore, drop it here and we're going to bring it back. And I remember that they brought back like helmets, uh, wrist guards, elbow pads, wheels, toe stops. Like here, I remember there was a time where if you could get the gumball toast top, that's a really common toast top for Derby. And if you could get it here, it was like, whoa, she has like luxury toast tops. Because getting one here was like, I mean, that was the kind of thing that you would get someone to bring you a box of gumballs stop uh, toast tops from the US and you would do like a Facebook post to show them off. Aww. Because it was like, I have neat stuff now. Yes, look at my things. <laughs> yes, look, I have like, yes, and we laugh at it now, but it was having, oh my God, the, the mouth guard, uh, Sisu mouth guards. Mm, yeah. Luxury. Anything that I love that much, I would totally be like, everyone, look at my thing, look at all the things. <laughs> my thing, yes, it was like the neatest. It, it's easier to get equipment because they travel more and everyone knows uh, someone who travels and things can be arranged. But four years ago, three years ago, it was like I, we were in this clan, clandestine network with Air, American Airlines air hostesses to get us a pair of radar wheels. Yeah, I mean, y'all got what we call in Spanish ganas because on the other yes. hand, you have all of these like shortage of resources and going to the World Cup with eight players and playing you know, almost two months on the road, back-to-back games. And meanwhile, you were a, a radio host of a derby in 
like an Argentine Derby podcast, like way back yes. when in 2015, so like fun. that was so dope. Like you're, you know, it just speaks to the kind of fandom and love for Derby that y'all have. Like it doesn't come easy. You got to love it. You got to really love it. Oh, no, yeah. All, you, all have, that you do. Derby is time consuming anywhere because Derby is a very time consuming thing. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have a lot of self-control so it doesn't really eat up your life completely. How do you handle because that? How do you do that? I don't. Derby has it up my life. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. That's Derby right. has it. <laughs> You've accepted yeah. it. <laughs> you, you cope. <laughs> yes. I mean, some, some, uh, some weekends ago, I was talking with my girlfriend and I told her, like, I can't quit Derby because if I quit Derby, I'm going to quit my biggest social thing in my life. If I quit Derby, my life's going to be like university and work, university and work. The only thing that I don't do that's not working or studying is Derby, Derby people, Derby organization, Derby, Derby something. Derby Twitter. Derby, yes, Derby Twitter. And now it's Derby Twitter. It wasn't even in Derby Twitter some months ago when I just jumped in the, the, that too. And... Um, and yeah, it really eats you up. And here we are passionate about it. And you have the, we had a radio program. There were two radio programs in one moment. Then there was a magazine. There were two magazines that were like printed monthly derby magazines. There were a whole magazine about Royal Derby. It was printed and we used to buy it. Then we had uh and then yeah it's the whole thing like coming together to fundraise and to do events and to carry on events with little resources i always remembered that that kind of anecdotes like there was this world cup it was an mrda world cup i think it was birmingham 2014 or the one prior to calgary and the team just i mean they just ran out of money in the middle of the tournament like we we don't have money to eat anymore and they were playing and they had to like pass a helmet through the through the the crowd and the, the world cup we just signed yeah to the arena like we don't have money to eat tonight and we have like tomorrow to play games or we're 11 and we've run out of money we have like 50 pounds or we're 10 so like if you can spare a pound please drop it in the helmet and and it's and it's not even like it's not even strange for us to do that anymore. We're like super used to be like begging money in places because we just really want to go and we're gonna go anyway. It doesn't matter if we have a hundred pounds, a thousand pounds, or a million pounds. We're gonna we're gonna go and then when we get there, we're gonna figure out. It's not the best plan. It's not, but it really speaks about how well, how passionate we are about it and how and it's we try to you so far. It's it's gotten you the success yes. that you that you've achieved. The first. Yes, but it really talks about how passionate we are and how we are like we're gonna figure it out. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know who is going to pay for this. But we're going to figure it out somehow because we cannot miss this event. It's drive, it's ganas, it's passion, it's all of it. And I also wanted, so since we're talking about the World Cup, Maki, tell me about your involvement. Aren't you the South American rep for the World Cup? I am the South American Regional Chair at the Royal Derby Nations Committee. And how is that going? And how did you become involved with that? Because I didn't have enough free time. So I was like, let's just eat up my free time a bit more. Let's just throw myself into the World Cup. Yep. Because just why not? Because, just because, because, because. Just because. I mean, what else can I do? Just throw us into the World Cup. 
yes. so tell, tell me I, I about that. Yes. I wasn't even gonna get into that. I got an email one day, like a nomination from an, a team from Uruguay. And what are you gonna do? Say no, of course. <laughs> and I, I, and I, they were like, you know who would be a super good rap, Maki. And I was like, okay, that's sure, fine, bring it. Yep. Yeah, sure. I have. I don't have free time anymore anyway. So yeah, bring it. I Another mailbox in my email. The World Cup is such. I'm. I'm. I'm a huge fan of of World Cups. I mean. As an Argentinian, I I would think so. Yes, yes. (laughs) I'm like, I look, I hate football as a sport. I hate it. I hate how people turn when the kind of person they turn when they watch football. I hate it. But the World Cup comes along and I am unsufferable. Like I've cried for Argentinian football matches. I am a fan of World Cups of whatever, like volleyball World Cup. I'm watching it. Hockey World Cup, I'm watching it. And think that the first, my only international derby event in my life was the Barcelona 2018 MRDA World Cup. So it kind of, it struck me. It was the first time that I was traveling outside Argentina, well, outside of Latin America, actually, to be part of an official, like in an event, in such a big event. I mean, I was the first non-skating official in a World Cup, in a MRDA World Cup, Latin American official. And it kind of struck with me. And now I am in this wonderful group of people who are in the organization from the next World Cup. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, no, there's not a date. No, there's not a place yet. And if there were, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but... How dare you? <laughs> uh, there are, no, we, we, we cannot talk about that You're anymore. sworn to secrecy. No, I respect that. I'm just kidding. No, no, but no. The, tell the me about the experience, that, though. Yeah, there's, there's no place or date for the World Cup, but it's a wonderful experience because we just went through redefining what a nation is. I mean, what nation what's the the meaning of nation and how nations are not just borders which is not only great but it really blows my mind how derby has these things with borderless nations and recognizing stolen lands and recognizing a lot of things that a lot of sports sometimes just pass over their heads and we are receiving daily uh, on our inbox a lot of emails from teams that are coming together and nations that are coming together that are are not necessarily uh, political border nations and I mean a big example of this is the team indigenous Jewish the Jewish team the black diaspora team also came together and they sent an email to the to the Committee of Nations to be part of the organization of the Next World Cup and we welcome we welcome them because it's a wonderful experience and it's a wonderful exchange of cultures and knowledge and experiences and people all over the globe feeling and living derby differently and you know these big teams that don't necessarily live in the same countries but they are they still come together under one symbol or one flag and it blows my mind. I love what I do there. I love it. How do you how uh, how frequently do you all speak? And how you know is it mostly like through video conferencing? And we have a monthly meeting with all the with the chair and all the reps. Uh, it's a video conference. We are six or seven, I think. It's really hard to like get a time where you can find like Korea, Buenos Aires, Poland, Scotland, South Africa. Uh, and the U.S. all yeah. awake 
at the same time. Exist. It doesn't exist. Like I think you probably have to like rotate, right? Yeah. We rotate. Yeah. I mean, the last time it was for shortstop. She she was in Korea and she had to wake up at four in the morning for for a video call. I mean, she was she was in audio only because it was like it's four a.m. I'm in my bed in the darkness. I'm not gonna put my video up, but. We have monthly meetings and we also have a platform that's Polio. And in Polio, we have a platform where we are with all the reps. Every country gets a country, nation, borderless nation gets to representatives. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the whole uh, direct body of directors that we are seven. And then we have a separate team just with us. That's awesome. Where we discuss, yes. And when we have what share excels and spreadsheets and whatsoever, and we also rotate to take a charge of the email and answer doubts because we get doubts on questions about not only the date and the, the, the place of the next World Cup, but more like, hey, I'm married to someone in this with this nationality. Can I be part of the national team? And we kind of try to help build the bridge between. those people and the teams so they can put themselves in touch because I mean at the end of the day I am no one to tell you if you can play for a national team or not Mm -hmm. we can just build bridges between that person and their team and the team they want to apply to to see if they can be part because at the end of the day every team has their own eligibility uh, conditions sure yeah but it's wonderful I mean it's it's been blowing my mind the whole thing of seeing so many teams uh, come together that, yeah, I mean, it started with Team Indigenous and it started with uh, the Jewish team. And I remember this game that was a champs, the I came without borders. Mm-hmm. And now there are so many teams that are coming together under this new definition of what nation is. And it, it makes my heart feel full. And I, I cannot wait for the next World Cup where we can bring all that to the table because it's really going to open a lot of discussions that we need to have in the Derby community. I think it's going to be a wonderful experience for everyone. So I'm really looking forward to the day we can actually put together a date and a place and a plan. We're waiting with bated breath. It's going to be dope whenever that is because, yeah, no, yes. I'm excited. It's so It's so awesome to see it from just this vantage point, I can only imagine from within what it must be like. Uh, so yeah. to close up, I wanted to ask you about what's your favorite self-care tip? Do you have a favorite okay. self-care tip? I can tell you, I got a really good piece of advice mm-hmm. out of my biggest derby mentor. Mm-hmm. And she gave it to me on Sunday in a tournament that we had. And I think it's going to be like my 2020 motto. And it was like, I was panicking because I had, um, the tournament was not going go well. We had officials missing and the team that was going to play had a problem with their armbands. And I'm starting to worry about the team. And she comes to me and she tells me, I'm going to give you something that my therapist told me. Imagine that you are working in a store that sells food. You know, a big store that sells vegetables, fruits, meat, milk, whatever. Like a supermarket. And your boss comes in and he tells you, take care of the apples. What's the natural question that you would say to your boss? And I answer her, just the apples. And she was like, yes. I mean, and that's, I think that's the point. It's like, if I have to worry about my job, don't start worrying about everything else that's not in my 
cope because I'm going, I'm going to go crazy. So I think that's going to be my self-care tip of 2020, like just the apples. Great. Thank you. What about holding space? What would you like to hold space for? Be it an issue? I don't know. This is like your free space. Tell me. Really like to keep on discussing and I probably am going to go into a Twitter rant soon about this again, about politics and Derby. I I, I remember that I got into a, a, a moment in, in, in Derby Twitter some months ago that I was like, roller derby is political. And if there are partnerships with the military and you have AC, IC involved, it's important because it's political and everything is political. And I think that it's wonderful that we keep on discussing what's okay and what is not okay to do and what it's okay and what is not okay to endorse in Derby right now because we are every day of our lives is political and everything we do is political and every decision we take is political and I think we really need to keep on that discussion within Derby and within our sport and within our communities and with the lives we're living and our teammates and whatever so yeah I'm gonna keep on speaking about that and thinking that it's an issue that we have to to tackle and not to tackle but not to run away from it sometimes these issues get buried under like all of the different other topics so sometimes you got to refresh you got to bring it up to the surface and bring it up into people's front of minds i agree thank you for that that thread i remember that thread that was a really important discussion to be had that day when when we got with the whole like military and i mean and i know i mean you have you told me you have family in america i mean the relationship Latin America has with military is very, very different with the one the States have and Europe has. Big time. Big time. Uh, and it's even a different relationship that we have with the States because of military. When this whole thing came up, I just felt it was very necessary to tell people, like, here's how it feels in Argentina. Here's how it went without with the military. And sometimes when I see what's happening in the States right now and what's happening in the borders with ICE and this modern day concentration camps. And it really blows my mind, but not really because I'm I'm Argentinian and that has been a part of my history ever since. And I am not surprised by how evil things can get sometimes. A lot of people don't understand or don't aren't aware that the trainings and the atrocities that were committed in Latin America began in the States. Like they were yes. like the School of the Americas and all of that, you know, that the the militaries that came into Latin America and that just that that whole messed up experience or that whole messed up history, that's hidden here. Like people don't don't know that, you know. So I really oh, appreciated really you bringing so- that point. And I really was surprised when the threat kind, it didn't blow up, but it, I mean, it became relevant because a lot of people were like, I had no idea this has happened. It was like, I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that you didn't have any idea this has happened mm-hmm. because I mean, you don't usually learn Argentinian history in, in school, but <laughs> it's, it's big and it's an issue and it's terrible. And it's something that every day of my life and every day of my life, like my day a day has once a day, we remember something that happened in that time in the seventies and with the desaparecidos and the missing ones. And that has a big influence on, on our perception of, of military and our perception of politics and what we want and we don't we don't want so i mean i'm that kind of person that people will tell me like oh you make everything political and i'm like yes everything is political and i will not stop making it political last but not least who is your mvp 
I'm going to split it into two. My most valuable derby player is my derby mentor, my derby, derby favorite godmother, which is Huevo from Sailor City. She's on, also on every Twitter. She's the one who told me about Just the Apples. And she's, that pers- and she's this person who, in eight years that I've known her, she has never once told me that I can't do something. Like, I'm going to apply for the World Cup. You're going to get into it. You know, I'm going to apply for the big O. You're going to get in, do it. I'm going to go to, like, do something in the World Cup. I trust that you're going to get in, do it. I never, like, she was always so supportive of me and so supportive of everything that I try to do. She's like, you're going to get it, do it. And my life MVP is my mother. I'm not even going to discuss that. Ray, thank you. Dope. Thank you so much, Maki. This was awesome. Thank you. I I hope you had, like, and it was interesting. <laughs> All right, folks, well, there you have it. Holding Space with Magical Wheelism is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. Help the pod grow by subscribing and sharing it with friends. Rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts also helps others find us. Follow the pod on Instagram at Holding Space with Magic Pod. Intro and outro music is by Sun Searcher. The song is called Latin Rhythm. And the cover photo is by James Corbett of Epic Life Images. Find him at Epic Life Images on Instagram. See you next time. Bye.